0: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're doing this show a little bit earlier because I'm going to be traveling for USC basketball, which is uh, kicking off the season, both men's and women's on Monday in Las Vegas. So we're going to do the show today with Coach Harvey Hyde on a Sunday, a little bit early, maybe a little um, fresher reaction to USC's 52 to 42 loss at the hands of number five, Washington Huskies so another disappointing day for the defense we got a lot of questions uh, people calling in people writing in we'll try to get to all of them and get the coach Harvey Hyde's thoughts on what went wrong in the Coliseum uh, as the Trojans fall out of the AP top 25 and essentially are out of the Pac-12 Championship race, I guess with an outside chance, but the way they're playing right now, that is uh, nearly impossible. So but we'll get into all that. Uh, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call or text us at 424-254-9141. And we thank you for subscribing on any of the podcasting platforms. Uh, please subscribe over there. Leave us a rating if you can do that. It does help to grow the show. So we want to talk with the coach, uh, Harvey Hyde coach how you doing i know it's uh kind of fresh after the game so we're gonna get some reaction and get to a bunch of questions but how are you doing today
3: i'm doing great i'll tell you what uh another tremendous college football weekend with all the great games the closest of the games the ohio state the clemson game the win over notre dame you go on and on kansas state uh their uh overtime lost to texas i mean if you, want, if you love college football, it can't be any better than that, unless you live in Southern California and you're a Trojan fan or a Bruin fan, because both teams really didn't play well. And Well, in some aspects, they played well, but in a lot of them, they didn't. So it's sort of a bad day to read the newspaper if you're a Trojan or a Bruin fan in Southern California, but that's what we're here for, Ryan. We're here to discuss it, answer questions, and give them our opinions.
0: Yeah, both USC and UCLA now out of the AP top twenty-five. And Arizona, they're in there now. Uh, they got a big win over UCLA. They're up to number twenty-three right now. So the LA schools are struggling a little bit, but of course we focus on uh, USC here. So another opportunity to try to get a win over uh, a ranked opponent, and uh, you know USC falls short. It was uh, not a pretty effort on the defensive side of the ball. I mean the offense played pretty well, you know, putting up 42 points there, had some bad plays, but for the most part, you know, they did all right. And the defense um, did not 10, 10 real drives for Washington. Eight of them resulted in scores coach seven touchdowns and one field goal. If you do like the average point per drive, it's about, five, I think 5.2 points per drive, which is not good uh, at all. Um, you know, one, Turnover force, that interception on the tip pass that Eric Gentry tipped and Christian Roland Wallace picked off. And then USC did get one three and out. They got one stop. Uh, Washington had a penalty and they weren't able to recover from it. And then USC ends up blocking the punt. So it kind of was like a turnover. But outside of that, Coach, there was not much resistance um, going on there. The numbers are horrible. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can look at them. I got a whole bunch of stats here for you. But I kind of want to get your thoughts. We should probably start with the defense because it was so bad. Um, any any uh, initial thoughts on the defense, coach?
3: Well, uh, first of all, I feel sorry for the Trojan uh, football program. I mean, a sellout crowd, homecoming. Crowd was into the game, an opportunity to beat a ranked team and uh, turn their season around and have some hope and so on. And, and it just didn't happen. And it seems to be the same story and the same ending of the book every week as far as the offensive part of the game is somewhat there as far as they're, they're scoring enough time, points to win the football game and they shouldn't lose a football game because they have one fumble or holding penalty and have two plays call back that are touchdowns or whatever cause touchdowns when you score that many points and on the defensive side of the football it's questionable
0: in every area
3: it's questionable as far as uh i think the uh The players that are on the field, are they capable of playing this level of college football? Do they have the correct players on the field at the same time? Are they playing their best players? And, of course, the philosophy of their schemes and defense, it doesn't seem at all that they're lined up correctly. I mean, I can when they line up, and that's why Washington was flip-flopping earlier with their tight ends and so on, because they were throwing off USC. They couldn't line up at all. They confused them. And then, of course, then USC shifts, and then a lot of times they shift away the wrong way. Uh, so, and the big gaps as far as outside, and the linebackers playing off, and not being in a position to come up and stop the run. And, I mean, it's just the same story, and the defensive secondary trying to play hard, but breakdowns, it, it's, it's sad. It's just a, a sad part of what's happening on the defensive side of the fall, I've, Ball, I feel sorry for the defensive staff, but they're getting pounded by everybody, and uh, that's not a, a, a fun thing to do. And uh, you know, my my thinking is uh, Riley ought to step in and coach part of the defense. He's the head football coach; he ought to know exactly what they're doing wrong. Go over there and, and change a little bit of the personnel. I, I can tell you what I'm thinking, how I would play it, and uh, have a chance. Right now if they continue to play like they do and give the assignments of what they're doing, they aren't gonna win any games.
0: No, yeah. I mean I agree with you, Coach. The way it's it just seems like every week you're like, okay, well, if you do this, if you do this, but nothing's really changed. It's been the same. Um you can't you can't do this and win games. You you know, what I mean I I didn't think you could give up that many more points to Washington. You know, they end up giving three more points than what you gave up to Cal, but you're pretty much just letting everyone do whatever they want. Um you it, it from the outside point of view coach, it just doesn't seem like there's much changing as far as like philosophy or scheme or whatever is going. They're not saying like, "Okay, well, we're getting confused when we line up, so let's not shift as much or do you know, it just doesn't seem like they're changing what they're doing at all." Is that Do you feel like there's change going on there? Or are they just kind of doing the same things and you keep getting the same results?
3: Well, they're doing the same things. What I mean by that is, first of all, I've I've told you all along, I don't think they have the right combinations of players on the field. Okay, I don't think you have your best players on the field. And I think that by now, you know who can play and who can't play. And if they can't play and they're a senior or so on, you take them off the field, but you bring your younger players along to give them an opportunity to mature. They can't do any worse And if you watch the way, you know, I don't want to pick out certain positions, but the way the linebackers run pass plays and uh, don't tackle people and not in the right position on pass coverages and all the different things there, I just say, man, you're playing with nine guys. You're playing with nine guys on the defensive side of the football and then also not getting in the right position. And uh, I don't understand why they don't play. Alexander and bars on the same uh, defensive front, and those two down guys and move Bird to the outside because he's a better pass rusher, and have Mohammed uh, go back and play the strong side linebacker because he's a senior and can run and he's a stronger kid and bring Heights in to take his place and play your best players, players who are older, players who have more to lose. They came there; they're, they're playing to try to get to the NFL. Then they try to play players over there that just can't play right now at this level. They just can't do it. Now, if a guy makes a play or two, they write it up. If a guy stops and makes a tackle, it's, oh, my God, it's the greatest play of the game. Heck, he's supposed to be doing that all the time or tips a pass or whatever. So, you know, I just think that they're out of position. They're not in the correct alignments. You don't have the best players on the field at the same time. And there's too much rotation going on continuously rotation where you never get a field. You've got players on the field that shouldn't be on the field as far as on the defensive side of the football. And if you don't have players, i would better to have a better player over there who might be a little tired, but can play and he plays himself into shape. And right now it just, it, it just isn't happening on the defensive side. And it's a combination. It's a combination of everything over there. It's a, it's a, it just, it's just horrible. Uh, because the kids are playing hard, and i I don't know what to say about the coaches. I feel sorry for the coaches, because they're getting smashed by the media and uh, shows like this. but it's hard not to because people who know football, even former players now are speaking out and saying things that what is going on over there? I played in the NFL. I played college football. You never line up like that, or the gaps uh, aren't being. Uh, the linemen aren't being covered right, and uh, you're not lining up right. I mean, they're starting to speak out, so, you know, you got to hear something from the boss, and uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the whole way it started, Ryan, with the presentation that the university gave to the media and to their alumni when Lincoln Riley came to Las Vegas. They rolled out the red carpet when the plane landed. They uh, publicized his contract number. Uh, his home got out, $18 million. Uh, all these different things that they build up such a anticipation of what can happen at USC and what's going to happen that everybody got so excited that he can't satisfy the people. And it hadn't got any better since last year's final games. UCLA and Tulane, he barely beat anybody in the preseason. We couldn't really give him much credit for that because they were non-ranked teams that haven't done well. But now when he got to this part of the season, you can't fool anybody. It's it's right there on the line. And and uh, he's going to have to face it, and now he's going to go to Oregon and play a team that just blew out, uh, blew out Cal, who they barely beat the week before. So that's going to be a tough trip.
0: It's definitely going to be a tough trip. Um, and what gonna be a tough trip to Oregon for sure and I want to give you some stats of like some of the defensive issues that USC's had coach um so Dylan Johnson uh Washington's running back transfers from Mississippi State his best game as a collegiate player was 100 yards rushing and two touchdowns he had 256 and four touchdowns in this one 127 of his yards were after contact according to pro football focus so uh, 129 of his yards happened before he was even touched. So these aren't breaking tackles. He wasn't even touched and went 129 yards before anyone touched him. Um, USC defense they allowed him to to average uh 4.96 yards p- per carry before he was ever made contact with. So that's pretty terrible. Um, you know, he had to quote Dylan uh, Johnson said they were slowing down. There wasn't they they weren't pressing as much as we as we thought they would. It made our day kind of easy. It certainly was um, easy. As far as the scoring numbers, Coach, uh, USC football has been around for 134 years. Uh, It's now allowed 34 points or more in six straight games. That's the first time that's ever happened. It's never happened in the history of USC football. Um, If you remember 2021, really bad year, they allowed four games of 34 plus points. so that they've allowed more than four games of 34-plus of points only once uh, before 2021. Um, that was back in 2018. And they've allowed six such games in the last three seasons, and they're giving up 34.5 points per game this season. The school record was 31.8 points per game back in 2021. So this is uh, another historically bad defense. Uh, when you're comparing it to 2021 when Clay Helton got fired, you know something's wrong. You you allow a guy like Dylan Johnson to have a career day. Um, just bad numbers all around, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on him, Coach.
3: Well, it's pretty hard not to have a career day, but you could see where he's going to run the football. I mean, you could see the gaping holes. They were there. Just toss the ball to him and run to the gaping hole, and you're in the secondary immediately, and uh, you had two long runs because – He outran him, plus they didn't want to tackle him or they couldn't tackle him. And like you mentioned, the yards after uh, first contact were unbelievable. And then when they did, when he did run the ball inside, they just drove him off the football. The linebackers couldn't step up and tackle him. Linebackers are lining up almost in the end zone when they're on the end zone or down in the five-yard line. They're lining up in the goal line. So, you know, you take a run at him, you're not going to stop him. And he runs in there untouched. So you know he's a horse, and I mean, you know, you try to tackle him when he's got when he gets his speed going, and that's pretty difficult to do. So you got to stop those guys before they get started, and uh, they didn't have a clue on what they were doing on that. As far as it sort of seems, I wish people had the opportunity of getting the films and breaking it down and looking at it closely themselves, and say, okay, if you were a coach, the way this defense is lined up right now, what would you do? What would you do? And it basically tells you what you're going to do. So uh, I just think that uh, is a tough thing to put kids in that situation. I don't know if they just can't get them lined up or they don't teach them how to line up. But I wouldn't run one play. I wouldn't rotate one person. I'd take 11 guys, put them on the field, no footballs. We'd face every type of motion, every type of formation, everything with a basic defense so they all knew where they lined up. That's what I'd do before I did anything else. Because if you don't line up right, you're certainly not going to win or, or make the play.
0: Yeah. Oh, coach, this is—it's um, hard to kind of wrap your your mind around how bad it was, and week after week, it just seems like the same kind of stuff happening um, over and over again. And I, you, you're right. I thought the crowd was great. Um, it was homecoming weekend, uh, reunion weekend. I was down there for my 30th uh, reunion for USC. So there was a bunch of activities on campus on Friday that I went to and, um, you know, they had a tailgate and all this kind of stuff before the game. So there were, I think fans were pretty, uh, excited for this one. And the way USC came out and played looked like, okay, they can score, uh, the run of the ball. Um, it just felt like, okay, this is a game that USC can win, but you know, it turns out that if you can't get any stops, if so you just, you know, two out of 10, t- 10 real drives, you only get two stops um it's gonna be really hard to win because then like you mentioned Lincoln Riley talked about like the holding call or whatever like yeah holding call called back a touchdown um and that was a big swing but if if you can't have a bad play if you can't get sacked once and you know that you can't have Deuce Robinson drop a ball that's gonna be a big first down and you have to punt instead you're gonna have mistakes it's it's really hard to to, to go without mistakes but with the way the defense is playing, the offense almost has to be flawless to have a chance to win. I mean, to give up 49 to Cal and then 52 to Washington, I don't know, I don't know what Oregon's going to score, but it's, uh, it's, it's not looking good. You just don't want to have to play perfect on offense, Coach, to, to survive a game where you, you want to be able to make a couple of mistakes because you're college players. So they're going to make mistakes.
3: Well, it's going to happen. It, you know, you can't. You'd score on every play if you didn't make a mistake, okay? You'd score on every single play if my man beat your guy. We'd score on every single play, but that isn't going to happen. But it almost is with USC when they when they run when, the, when their opponent runs the football. Then it's very discouraging, and you not only lose the fans. The players are playing hard. The players are really trying. It's just that they are starting to lose their uh, confidence because they're over trying. They're over running tackles. They're not a, in a position to tackle. It looks like they've never been taught how to tackle. And these guys, well, I was an all-conference player from another conference. And I watch him play, and I say, my goodness. I mean, maybe he was, he'd was rather go back there, because they're going to a bowl game, and they beat Oklahoma. I mean, I just can't uh, understand how maybe players come from another program and don't play as well as they did at the program they were at. That, that's got to indicate something. And you get a couple of five-star players, and they're coming in and, and maybe not, not living up to their who they are. And there's a reason. Why aren't they playing up to who they are who they were? And why did you recruit them if they can't play? Well, it has to do with a little bit of bringing your players along, coaching your players, knowing where to put your players where they might have an advantage, uh, and uh, calculate what works for you best somebody, against them. Don't beat yourself. And a lot of times they're beating themselves because they're giving the offense all the advantages where, uh, you know, they're outnumbering you. And when you're outnumbered, my guys are going to beat your guys.
0: All right, Coach. They looked outnumbered. I love your – my favorite line was, it looked like they're playing with nine guys. (laughs) That's. Uh that's, uh, I think that's going to be the theme of the show. Um, It does. It looks like they're playing with nine guys out there sometimes. Um, the untouched parts, yeah, like the yards after contact I mean, yards after contact are usually a problem because you're like, okay, well, they hit the line of scrimmage and someone could have tackled and they didn't, and he broke a tackle and, and went for 15 more yards. I think it's more disturbing knowing that he's getting, you know, one I saw once that it was 199, but I think Pro Football Focus found it as 129, 129 yards for Dylan Johnson before he was touched. So, I think that's worse, knowing that, okay, so they're just lining up, running, and no one's even attempting to tackle. There's not even a chance to tackle him for five yards, and then someone can have a chance. And then he breaks the tackle and goes on further from that. But the fact that he's not being touched for, like, an average of five yards is, is baffling.
3: Well, what is that telling you? They're running to the area where you don't have anybody. Yeah. You're not adjusting to the formation. You're giving him a lane. And they had he had the lane all day outside to the right. The lane all day. And they ran inside to the left. I can't remember how many plays he went outside to the left, but to the right, it was just, give me the ball. They turn around, tossing the ball, and away he went like a, like a, a tractor and a truck. And, you know, when he gets his steam going, I do one of those lookout tackles where, you know, I got to be careful. I'm going to hurt myself hitting him. <laughs> And uh, and it's hard to stop a guy that's that big running that fast. And and once you get him started, like I said earlier, you got to stop them before they get started. That's the way you stop a great rushing team. You got to stop them before they get started. And they weren't able to do that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? We have a lot of questions to get to. So why don't we do this? Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll just start. I mean, well, there's a lot of talk topics we can talk about, Coach. But we'll we'll kind of go through the questions and kind of get what. Uh, discuss what the fans want to say because this is a lot closer after the game than we normally do Monday so we get a little Sunday reaction show Um, so uh, let's take a break and we'll be back in a minute answering questions.
1: Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in
0: Southern California. All right, we're back here on the Paracel Podcast. I'm Ryan Abraham, along with Coach Harvey Hyde. Uh, we got a bunch of voicemails to get to. Ben left us a long one. It was funny. He says, I'll keep this short so you can play it. And then it was like two and a half minutes long. So I think people don't understand what short is. Um, but he his comment was he's not happy with the hires from the top and, and goes back to presidents and athletic directors, Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan, Max Nikias, He thinks the board of directors need to be fired for making all these terrible hires. He thinks that the Big Ten will be a slaughterhouse for USC. And uh, he wants Lincoln-Riley gone. He's one of those – there's a lot of fans, Coach, that that are over Lincoln-Riley. And uh, he wants to see all three sides of the ball be coached, not just offense, and then not hire his friends to do the other part. So uh, Ben left a long one. Wasn't very happy, Coach.
3: Well, you know, that that would take an hour to answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) It it really would, because it does start start at the top. And uh, I'm not quite sure uh, who was responsible for all of this, but obviously it's people who didn't know what they were doing, who thought they did. uh, The the biggest person who can make a damage is someone that thinks they know what they're doing and they don't know what they're doing. And uh, they take advice from people that think they know what they're doing and they don't know what they're doing. Like the hiring possibly of uh, some of the athletic directors, the leadership of renewing contracts, bringing in coaches with presidents giving the approval with amount of money that's unbelievable. The moving out of the Pac-12 into the Big Ten without nobody knowing knowing it or getting real, you know, understanding of how they're destroying a great conference and tradition. Uh, Hiring of a of a commissioner who completely destroyed destroyed the Pac-12 and going along with it and renewing his contract. Yeah, it got to start somewhere. And I don't think it's always the coach. I think it's how, It's a little bit of everything contributing it to the regents or trustees and the whole package. But somebody is giving the uh, president advice or at least approving the moves that he or she are making. So why don't we be honest about that? I mean, to say, oh, no, it's not their fault. Well, they're part of the team. They're part of the. They're only as good as the people that surround them, and then you come down to you know the uh, the team itself and the coaches themselves. If you're a head football coach, you're expected to be responsible. And I know you can't do the job because I've been in that position. Yeah, you're supposed to be uh, responsible for graduating all your students, making sure they don't get in trouble. Uh, You're supposed to be in, in charge of fraternity row. If they go to Fraternity Row, you're supposed to be in charge of them 24 hours a day. Everything they do, uh, rules and regulations, the whole package, it's impossible to do. Uh, With young gladiators that you're training to play on Saturday, knock somebody's lights out and then be a normal person. Well, they're not a normal person. They are a special person that has a special skill. And you have to be able to handle them and direct them and coach them and put people in charge of the athletic department and other things that have the caring to be able to carry out this responsibility. And they brought in two athletic directors that were not trained and had not been in that type of situation anywhere else to come in and be the athletic director. Well, that's got to take an effect, and it certainly shows it. And then you uh, make a coaching change and give an extension, then you bring in this coach and you bring him in with the understanding that anything goes, uh, a huge contract, and uh, comes in without really maybe understanding what the people of Oklahoma. their thoughts were about losing him. Some were upset. you heard from the people that loved him. And you didn't hear a lot from the people that said, "So riddance," because they had expe- experienced what USC is experiencing now. Great offense never a national championship, uh, the same things, not defense. And he brought that package here. Well, okay, that's great. And gave him an open checkbook, which is great, but they expect results. And you look at who surrounds him. I don't know all those people do, okay? If, if those people are all working in the athlete department that are on the sidelines, almost getting killed when people run off, off to the right, uh, I don't know what they all do, okay? Maybe they get in each other's ways and nobody's doing anything. But you've got to have capable, great people. And sometimes you don't always bring your friends. You bring people who have the experience, uh, coaching knowledge, the things that kids want to play for as far as on the defensive side of the football. I want to go there. This guy's a great Defensive coordinator, not the reputation that was not really positive at Oklahoma. And you put together a staff, and if you bring in these coaches to be, uh, say, uh, coaches like, like Queensberry and, and Brown on the defensive side of the floor, bring in people and give them a voice, because they have too many people from the same program, all the defense from Oklahoma, and they got all the offense, basically, from Oklahoma. And it's from the same tree of Michael Leach. They don't know anything else. They don't know what else to do. So you've got to bring in people who have done it, been there, and know more than you do in some phases of the game, and you listen to them. Otherwise, don't have them on your staff. So I think this is part of it all that what people are asking is what's going on. There's been big mistakes made in the administration side of it, the hiring side of it, the whole package. And now you look at Lincoln Riley and the people that hired him as far as Mike Bone and Socha, they're gone. So who does Lincoln Riley look to? Who's his support blanket? Who does he talk to? Does he go to the new AD? The new AD has probably gotten so much pressure uh, to what are you going to do about it that she doesn't know what to do either because of the huge contract. So they're in a dilemma over there right now where I'm damned if I do this, and I'm damned if I don't. Yeah.
0: All right, Coach. Well, we got a lot of other voicemails to get to, so we'll try to get to them all. Here's the first one. I'll play for you.
2: Hey, guys. It's Don from Chicago. I'm actually in Florida on a little vacay. Don't want to waste a lot of time on this. Just a couple things. First off, I'm going to rescind my offer to extend uh, Alex Grinch's contract. Forget that. I also do not think We should bring Len Swan or Pat Hayden back. My question for uh, Coach Hyde and for Ryan, why don't we fire Grinch now? Why wait to the end of the season? I mean, let's be honest. A chimpanzee could coach the defense better than Alex Grinch. Let's cut the cord. Let's get rid of this guy right now, and let's move on. Don from Florida.
3: Well, I think it's impossible to do that for one reason. You can, you could do that, but what would you do to replace him? Who do you have on your staff that's going to make a difference? Obviously, those coaches on the defensive side of the football must be a part of the game planning that's going on or know what's going on. So who's going to be the defensive coordinator? Now, the head coach could go over there and be the defensive coordinator. And give the offense to Queensberry. That might be the thing to do. At least you're over there trying to improve the defensive side of the football. And telling the defensive assistants, well, here's what we're going to do. But who over there right now is the guy to be the defensive coordinator? To make a difference? So right now, Lincoln's just letting it go. And try to play it out and get through this. And then he's going to have to make a decision what his future is. And also what the future is of the defensive side of the football. Because it's going to affect the whole team. I mean, as far as the portal, players leaving, say it's never going to happen here. Who's going to be the defensive coordinator? I need a named defensive coordinator. And if I'm a named defensive coordinator, okay, when I come, I say, and I have complete control with your approval of who my assistants are. Because he wants people that he knows and knows football and his schemes. So, you know, these are the things you have to do and uh, and you have to sort of play it out unless you're the head coach. And you got to be able to be a head coach. That's why they pay you the mucho bucks to say, Queensberry, you run the offense, I'm going to coach the defense. <laughs> and if you know what a head coach is supposed to do, he's supposed to know offense and defense, okay? But he sets game plans against defenses. So what would he do if he played against the defense that he has on his team right now? Well, correct that. Or if you think they're playing the right defense, then don't coach the defense because they're not.
0: Yeah, and for the right, it's Cliff Kingsbury, coach. You keep
3: Queensbury. Oh, what I say his name was? Keep saying
0: Queen, Queensbury. It's oh. Kingsbury. So you got Oh well,
3: whatever. Everybody knows who he is.
0: <laughs> Different level of the uh, monarch hierarchy, I would just say. Yeah, um, so you know,
3: you got me also fired up, but I don't even know what the hell. I'm, <laughs> I mean, it just you know, he's a guy that's been a head coach in the NFL, right? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't he be able to run the offense, maybe? He comes from the same tree. He got the head coaching job at Arizona because he became the offensive coordinator at USC. So, hell, let him be the offensive coordinator now.
0: Yeah. All right, here's another question. Um, Voicemail for you. Hi, this is Richard from uh,
2: Huntsville, Alabama, right after the SC game. Long-time fan and former season ticket holder since 1964. This is without a doubt the worst defense I have ever seen watching SC football for this entire time. These guys make all the other guys that put on the SC uniform and play defense cry in shame of what these guys are doing. Fire Grinch, Lincoln Wiley, I don't know what's going on with you. Go to Oregon next week and the same situation. I can never remember two weeks in a row one with cal giving up 49 points and washington with 52. this has got to stop and it stops starts with firing grinch and for our defensive players i feel sorry for you guys and all the defensive players that came before you that made the tradition of usc so great you guys should be down and saying what the heck is going on with usc football because i don't know and like i said i've been following it since 1964. Thank you guys for listening to my gripes. Take care and fight on.
3: Well, thank you very much. I love to hear the pride of uh, Trojans. That's a prideful man, and he remembers the tradition and wants it back. Or, and uh, I appreciate him checking in with us. And and I know exactly what you're thinking. You're bleeding inside your heart and everything else. And uh, and I know the ex-players are upset uh, to a point, but again. How have they been accepted at USC? Have they been accepted in a manner where they, uh, they want them around and, and all of the above? There's a lot of things behind the scenes that a lot of people aren't aware of, of the feelings of ex-players. And, uh, ex-players love the Trojans. Once a Trojan, always a Trojan. But right now, you don't see a lot of them around the SC program. And, uh, there's always a reason for that. And, uh, I agree. You know, the tradition of USC football, I've been around a long time too, and, and I know it. We have a lot of younger listeners that don't really know or remember what it was, but it's a great, great part of the university on and off the field. And uh, you either love a Trojan or you hate a Trojan, but it's a great pride. All the Trojans don't care if you hate them. And uh, that's the way that goes. And Ryan, you're you're Trojan, so you know how that is. Yeah.
0: I do, Coach, my 30-year uh, reunion. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the most, I guess it was a fun weekend, but not, not fun as far as the game goes for all the people that were down there for homecoming and all the reunion stuff. But, um, all right, let's see, let's go to, I think we got a text message. We'll go to, uh, this is a frustrated fan in Texas. He says, please explain to me how you can still have any faith in this team. There aren't, they aren't good enough to win bottom line. They just aren't good enough. Caleb fumbles. He takes a sack and gets us out of field goal range. He doesn't make the throw. Uh, What is his deal as of lately? And please get rid of Grinch already. Enough is enough. This is ridiculous. Embarrassing. Frustrated fan in Texas. I I mean, I would push back on this a little bit, Coach. Like Caleb Williams made a ton of great plays in this one. I mean, he was that that fourth down touchdown pass to Brendan Rice, him running for first downs, putting defenders, you know, he juked guys out of their cleats. Like Caleb Williams left it all out there. I, I wouldn't be critical of him if he makes a, a bl- bad play or two, but I think it's mostly on the defense. But I don't know what you think, coach.
3: No, you don't blame Caleb Williams. He's probably one of the top quarterbacks, or if not, the top quarterback in college football, okay? But right now, at times, he doesn't look like it, but he's not getting a lot of help. He's trying to make everything happen himself. They're not utilizing their entire personnel. They have running backs that can play anywhere in the country. They could play action pass and take the pressure off of him too, so that he could have more of a, a look and uh, concentrate more on the tight end and throw routes with the middle of the field that's wide open. and he's not getting that type of help. He's trying to make it all happen himself, and they put him in that position. So you know, it, you know he tries hard. when you try hard, sometimes you try too hard. And uh, all he was trying to do when he fumbled that football was get out of the position he, he knew he had to get out of, and he got sacked and he fumbled. That'll happen. He didn't protect the football. But that's what he does on every time he's running around back there trying to get out of the pocket and make a play. So he's made so many plays this year and last year by doing that. By doing that, plays that weren't called in the huddle. They just became touchdowns because he was the type of guy that could find somebody with his receivers, and throw the football there like a dart. So, you know, he, he you've got to be in a rhythm. You've got to be able to, if we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We're going to run the football to Usoppus and then we're going to play action pass and do whatever else when your linebackers are up there. And we never had that, and I think it's more of a stat type of thing. And I don't think Caleb is a stat guy. I think he likes to throw the football. But I think that nothing bothers him more than losing. He wants to win. So put him in a position where he can win and utilize all the great talents around him.
0: Yeah, good point there, Coach. Uh, Let's see. We got um, Earl and Torrance says, Lincoln Riley may be a good coach, but he does not seem to understand the value of the running game, particularly in the fourth quarter. Time and time again, we stop running at some point in the second half uh, if we are not ahead on the scoreboard. Austin Jones had 127 yards for an 11.5-yard-per-carry average. And didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter when they only trailed by a field goal. Uh, a lot of expletives there, and he says Earl and Torrance. I think uh, I think he did get it one carry like in that final drive. Um, but yeah, not you know there wasn't much. They they ran the ball for over two hundred yards, so I thought they did a pretty good job. But you know they probably could have run more. But I don't, what do you think, Coach, about that?
3: Well, I I do think that I think that uh what Barlow Barlow comes in the game. I think he's all pro. I mean, he's only played. I don't know how many plays he's played the last two years. My gosh, when he comes in the game, he's so explosive, and he knows how to get in the end zone. I don't know what they're disciplining him for. But Lloyd, heck, he's a pretty good player, too. I mean, you got great running backs. What are you trying to prove? Play them. Play these guys. I mean, you bring Brown back in the game, and I think he's a great player, but he's a freshman. Bring your guys in there that are seasoned players in big-time games. You want big-time players, guys that have been there before and seen the lights on. They're auditioning for the NFL. So let them be in there and try to and wear down a defense. Pound them with your big backs. Keep pounding them. And you'll find the same thing will happen to their defense that happened to your defense, except they're lined up in the correct place. You wear them down and the secondary has to make tackles, and then it really hurts them in covering the pass.
0: Alright, let's do another voicemail. Coach, here's this one.
1: Hey Ryan, Coach Hyatt Franker from the East Coast. So it, it becomes pretty evident here that, uh, this whole let's ignore the defense and outscore guys in a shootout that, that worked in the Big 12. It's no longer working in a Pac 12 and it certainly is not going to work next year in the Big 10. Um, they might as well put a carnival barker outside the Coliseum right now saying, step right up, step right up, everyone come see the USC record setting defense, or everyone's gonna set a record against USC's defense. So, it, the, the damning statistic last night was 199 yards before contact by Dylan Johnson. I mean that, either the scheme is so fatally flawed, or they're just not teaching proper tackling techniques. On a couple of those long runs, it was like uh, Caleb Bullock and some of the other defenders on USC. Like they were, they were friends with Johnson. Like out for a run with him in a park or something. You're pursuing a guy. You're within reach for almost 40 yards. And at the last five yards before the end zone, you're going to try to make a move. You try to make a move 45 yards before that. Like, give it your best shot. What's the point? You're giving up all those yards, and then hopefully game saving or touchdown saving tackle at the end makes no sense. Coach, if a friend came to you in a coaching community and said, "Hey, I gave up 199 yards." before contact or running back, I need help, what would you do? I mean, this is not even a wee league game. This is a a, a Power Five conference game. All right, guys, I think I'm going to go cuddle with my dog and watch some shows. Take care.
3: Well, you know, I I think that we discussed this, you know, uh, you're going to get that kind of yards when you don't have a person in the seam or in gaps and so on that you're big running back get started on and like we just talked about a moment ago these guys are 175 180 pound defensive backs maybe a couple of them are 200 pounds and take on a guy that's running full speed and uh, think about knocking him out of bounds or making a tackle for no gain it's gonna happen and uh, again it's by not being sound on the defensive side of the football or putting them in a position where they can stop this Play before he gets that steamroller going, either behind the line of scrimmage or on the line of scrimmage, and be in position to make the tackle as far as body frame wise position the whole thing. And these guys are not in that type of position, they're not lined up correctly, and they're not in position to make the tackle properly. They miss so many different tackles. So, you know, it's uh, you're seeing the same thing uh, that I'm seeing. You don't have to be a football coach to. Understand the game of football. If this is my guy, and that's your guy, and it's 11 against 11. And, uh, you know, if my guy's better than your guy, then we're not going to win if it goes one-on-one. But, again, uh, my guy is supposed to be as good as your guy, at least in recruiting and the media as far as them being picked to win the Pac-12 by all the media and everybody else around the country, or as far as the voters, then you you should live up to that. I don't know what they're seeing or what you're making them think that you recruited or you have. If they're voting for you, then uh, obviously you've sent out the material and I get something from the sports information department every week on someone else being nominated for another award and uh, they're having problems as far as winning football games. So, uh, you know, you got to figure out is, is it the coaching or the players? or Obviously, I think it's a combination of both.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right, Coach. Too many things to be wrong for no, it. Not you can't just be one thing. Um, Jack in New Jersey has an email for us. He says, "Coach Hyde, sometimes you go on a bit of a rant about issues. So today, I would like to take a turn. Okay, uh, the USC defense has become a travesty of a mockery of a sham. The defense is one of the worst in college football, probably the all-time worst USC defense. It's worse than Paul Hackett's." which was abysmal in his last two years. It's not the player's fault that they're constantly out of position or not sure where they should be. It's too confusing for the players and so ridiculous that opposing offensive coordinators have little problem figuring out how to beat it time and time again. A total disgrace to this proud football program. So my question is, what if Coach Riley does not fire Alex Grinch? Believe me, Ryan, I've been on this planet long enough to have seen many inexplicable and ridiculous decisions made by people who I thought were smart enough to know better, but had different agendas. God help the USC football team. If Grinch is still the DC next year, Jack in New Jersey, he says, I got to go get a Prozac capsule.
3: (laughs) Well, let me tell you, uh, I think, uh, and I don't ever advocate that, but I think that uh, he already knows that he's got to make a change. Uh, because uh, you just got to get everybody off your case, and then you got to have a, a recruiting opportunity and so on, and you have to get a whole new staff completely with, with uh, Lincoln Riley approving the coaches that you bring in as far as assistant coaches. And you got to start over. You got to start over and rebuild the program completely as far as the defensive side of the football with confidence and so on. Remember, you open up against LSU in Las Vegas, that's not a bad football program, and then you go to the big house. I mean, uh, you better be locked and loaded, baby. And uh, you better get some players, but you're not going to go there and out-coach anybody. I'm going to tell you that right now. Or you're stupid. you got to respect coaching, but you got to understand that players are the ones that does your coaching techniques. And you better line them up right, or they're not going to be a very good player either. So the future, when you look at USC's future... As far as going to the Big Ten and the opening games and so on, I, there's got to be a lot of changes that are going on and they shouldn't wait too long to make these changes immediately after the season and I just wonder what's going to happen after the season in case in case they would lose at Oregon or UCLA beat them or whatever, what bowl game they would go to or would they go to a bowl game and would the players playing that bowl game to even make it more of a mockery, mockery about. So I think there's a lot of serious things ahead of for this U- USC football program as far as where is it, where it's headed, and what is the direction of it. Because uh, going to the Big Ten and you don't think those guys are waiting to play USC or come out west? They are. So uh, uh, I agree with you. There's a lot of things that have to be done, and you better start thinking about it now and working on it.
0: Let's do a voicemail from our buddy Curtis. Hey, Ryan, this call is for you and the coach.
2: Coach, we need to hire a defensive coordinator, and I think we should uh, use all the money that we need to lure a successful defensive coordinator. I've always heard that Iowa has a real tough defense and I never really found out why. I know they don't have a lot of five stars, four stars, and all that kind of stuff, but I, but who do you think would be a great defensive coordinator for USC to take this? Working for another school, we just have to lure them to come out here to Cal- sunny California. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
3: Well, That's a difficult uh, question to ask me. You'd want to have somebody that maybe as a head football coach somewhere that's been a defensive coordinator that has a great reputation and got his head coaching position because he was a great defensive coordinator and might be in a position where he may want to leave where he is or he's going to get fired where he is or so on and come to Southern California where he might be from and make a couple of million a year when he's not making that where he is or if he's a head coach. Uh, and he's getting fired. He made his reputation and people know he's a great defensive coordinator that can come to Southern California and do a great job. But Lincoln can't Lincoln Riley cannot be intimidated on the name of the individual that's coming. The bigger the name, the better it is. The bigger the reputation, the better it is. Uh, you cannot uh, worry about who it is. It might his name is bigger than my name and and this and that No. The bigger the name, the better you are, the better you can be. So um, I don't know who's available. You're right about the Iowa defensive coordinator. They win every game 10-7, 10-6, uh, 13-7. I think they've, they're have 7-2 and two or something like that now, and they've already fired their offensive coordinator, and they're continually winning because of the game uh, on the one side, of the defensive side of the game. You win def- defense, wins your championships, you know. And I've been saying that all along. People don't, some people don't believe that. So uh, uh, I, that's what I would do. I can't name anybody. It's not bad to go to the NFL. Somebody who's had a college experience because you want somebody who knows how to recruit and work with young people. And if you don't have great recruiters on the defensive side of the football with all of these different positions that have created great players when they've coached them, you're in trouble. Because today it's so competitive that everybody's got something to give somebody, and that advantage now is is uh, now on say not on USC's side. So there's got to be a lot of changes made there, and I don't know who the coach would be, but if they and they will have to make that change. I hate to say that in order to save to save the image of the defensive side of the football in so many different ways.
0: All right, we got one more. Um... Email and then one voicemail. We'll let you go. Coach Dan, our buddy, class of 62, says, Well, I can emphatically say that this is the worst defensive coach team that I've ever seen in my 75 years of watching USC football games. Like a lot of fans, I thought that nothing could be worse than the final Hilton years, but I was wrong with apologies to Clay Hilton. My question for Coach Hyde is, what would you do in the remaining two or three games to prepare for next year, assuming that, Mr. Grinch, who stole Christmas this year is fired. How would you prepare for the loss of Caleb Williams as well? And who would you recommend as a replacement for Mr. Grinch? As you already kind of talked about that, because says, fight on with better coaching, Dan class of 62.
3: Well, I'll tell you what I would do going to Oregon. I would, uh, have a team meeting as the head football coach with the defensive side of the football. And I would say guys, uh, we're going to play people who have been loyal to our program and practice hard and so on, more or less in uh, seniors, juniors, upperclassmen. We have more to lose and never have the opportunity of doing this again. And I would get my players who came there in the portal, players who are good players, not putting my younger players in a position where uh, they aren't successful and they understand what I'm doing so I don't upset them and they want to transfer And I'd put those guys on the field and say, guys, go for it. This is your audition for the NFL. Let's get it done. And hoping that on the defensive side of the football, that they're aligned and given the proper tools uh, to get it done. And I would be involved in more of that than I've ever been before. I would tell them I'm coming over here as a head football coach. I feel it's my responsibilities. I would put the defensive game plan together with the defensive coaches, so that they know I really do care and this is what we're going to do. And I think if he, as a head football coach, he's got to know defense. I mean, I was an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and all that. You know that. You got to know the complete game, not just one side of the game, or how can you correct it? And I would give my soul, sell my soul to those guys who've been beaten up. The coach has been beaten up. I'd go over there and try to help them be successful because it's going to be a difficult challenge to go into Eugene and stop a real good team, probably uh, one of the best teams currently right now in the country. I think it's playing like one of the best teams in the country, okay? And uh, it's going to be a challenge, but I would not, uh, throughout the last life rafts, I would say nobody's bailing the ship, and I would go in there and be behind them 100%. I wouldn't be on a hill with uh, binoculars watching the war. I'd be right there with them on the sideline uh, doing everything we can to get it done so the players know you care about them, and uh, that's the way I'd handle the defense.
0: All right, we got one more uh, voicemail, and then we'll let you go, Coach. Here you go.
1: Hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde. Uh, this is Dylan from Albuquerque, and uh, I had a question for Coach Hyde. I just want to get your um, thoughts and your philosophy on the coin toss and deferring to the second half. I know the last couple of weeks USC won the toss and Riley decided to take the ball. Um, I thought it was definitely a killer in the Cal game. You go down two scores, but luckily, you know, they are able to come back. Uh, and in this game, you know, they do get the stop in the first drive of the second half, that interception in the end zone. But I just, I, I don't know, I feel like deferring to the second half is never a bad thing. and I just wanted to get uh, Coach's thoughts on, uh what he
3: liked to do um, when you won the toss. Thanks, guys. We always deferred because we had confidence in our defense and stopping their first uh possession, getting field position, and going back in and then getting the ball back in the second half. But I think Coach Riley's probably thinking, we're going to stop him anyway, so we might as well have the football and go down and have an opportunity to score and outscore him. But that's not the sensible thing to do if you have a great defensive football team. And obviously he's saying that we want the ball now, and they gave it back to Washington And in the second half. Washington went in with all the momentum, 35-28, and got the ball as far as uh, on the opening drive in the second half and then uh, lost it down there with a fumble or whatever. But that would have been the end of the football game right then. But I always believed in deferring because I believed in defense, and I believe the defense wins championships, and I'll match my defense with your offense because – on defense, we're trying to hurt you, okay, legally. We don't want you to play. We want you to pull out the white flag and surrender and say, I don't want to carry the ball. I don't want to catch the ball. So, uh, you know, that's my philosophy. And uh, in most cases, uh, that will win for you.
0: Um, coach, I know we're, gonna, we're supposed to end the show, but we had something happen. What? What? Uh, just got an email as we're ending the show from USC, from a USC spokesperson. USC head football coach Lincoln Riley announced today, November 5th, that defensive coordinator Alex Grinch has been relieved of his duties. Defensive line coach, Sean Nua and inside linebacker coach slash associate head coach for defense. Brian Odom will serve as interim co-defensive coordinators for the remainder of the season. Additionally, analyst, Uh, Defensive analyst Taylor Mays has been elevated to an on-field assistant coach and will work with the safeties. Uh, Alex Grinch worked with the safeties, so now uh, Taylor Mays will have a full-time job working with the safeties, at least for the remainder of the season. So it's official now, Coach. Uh, Alex Grinch is out.
3: Well, uh, I'm sure he's pressured to make that decision. And it's probably best for him. He was tortured. He was being tortured on the sideline if you looked at him. And, uh, they'll move on and finish the year. And, uh, want to wish him the best as well as all the staff members and so on in finishing this, this year. And, uh, I'm sorry for him, but then again, life moves on, you know? You gotta go on. There's one thing, uh, if you're a football coach, it's, if you haven't been fired, you haven't been coaching very long. <laughs> so, and that's where life is, and I think all these guys understand that. And that's the profession you're in, and you take the good with the bad.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's just part of the profession. You can't week after week have historically bad numbers over and over and over and over again, and then expect like you just can't do it. And that's just it. Just it never got better. It was the same stuff, week in, week out. Um, yeah, there's no way you could, you couldn't, you couldn't not. You, you had to do it. Uh, I'm happy that Lincoln Riley's done it now because every question we were getting is about is firing Grinch. That's all everyone was going to talk about. So now he's fired. So at least you can kind of move on from that and talk about real candidates of who's going to replace him.
3: Well, we'll have to do that. I want to wish them the best of luck in Washington. It's a real challenge. They're not Washington, Oregon. It's a real challenge. And then UCLA will be a real challenge. So let's try to finish strong and get through this season.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's a a good way to end the show, Coach. Um, It would have been good if we got the news a little bit earlier. But, uh, yeah, breaking news. Alex Grinch has been fired uh, by head coach Lincoln Riley. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap things up. For the coach, Harvey Hyde, uh, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time.
2: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.